This week, Nick and Bruno ring in the new year by taking a very special look at the humble beginnings of one very special little baby by the name of Peter Parker. You would know him better as the amazing Spider-Man, but to his Aunt May, she will always remember him for the time she spent changing his little diapers and watching him eat his fill of her famous wheat cakes. But most of all, she remembers the one crazy summer that brought him into this world. The summer where she met the love of her life, Ben Parker, and then immediately cheated on him with his brother, Richard Parker. Found out she was pregnant with Richard's baby, fled to live a life of sexual servitude to a stranger in an RV, and came back months later to convince her best friend Mary to adopt Peter since she was really Richard's baby and Mary had a thing for Richard. And then had to raise Peter anyway after Mary and Richard were killed by the Red Skull while they were on a covert spy mission in Albania. And you can relive all of these precious memories too if you read Mark Miller and Terry Dodson's classic teenage summer sex comedy Trouble, numbers 1 through 5, which was conceived under the newly revised epic line and thrust into our hearts with the violence of Bill Jameis' middle finger on this week's babbling episode of... Oh God, it burns. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to... Oh, God, it burns! My name is Nick. My name is Bruno. And today we are getting into trouble. So we uh, did the whole thing. We uh, uh, suffered through Marvel. We did the Lord's work so we can be here to tell you about trouble, one of the most infamous tales of all time. Not only because it was shackled to a uh, imprint that was doomed from the very start, that was launched from from the womb of Marvel. Uh, which automatically makes it one of the least valuable properties on Earth, but it also features some of the most god-awful and infinitely terrible cover photos of all time. Yes, this is true. And if you're still with us after listening to our Marvel cast, thank you. <laughs> Trust me, it was harder on us it was than it hard was on for you. Me. Yeah. <laughs> we did it twice. <laughs> it was... I'm still recovering. Like, I get the, I, I still I get have, the shakes. I still have like a PTSD from that. Like someone says something like marvelous, and I'm like, what? Marvel? Every time Carl Sagan speaks, I'm like, no! <laughs> Please don't do that, Carl. Don't tell me about the earth and the infinite expanses of the universe. All I'm hearing is Bill Jemis just droning on about stupid shit. But yeah, now we're back to trouble, which is Peter Parker's origin story? Question mark? Well, the one thing that it did pick up from Marvel is really, really inappropriate covers, like you mentioned earlier. And I've got yeah. to say, you thought that Marvel set up like the line because essentially, after the first issue, it was nothing but like different versions of what is clearly like Mary Jane esque looking character, just in his in various modes of undress. Yes. Well, this took it a step further. If you happen to pass by this, you'll know because you'll have a hard time actually walking up to the cashier and saying, I want these. <laughs> because You these might wind up on a watch list. Are <laughs> literal teenage girls, I'm thinking 16 years old, they in look. bikinis, and they are just like staring directly at you. I feel dirty even having these in my collection. When my wife walked in, I had to hide these. And it made it worse that my comic book shop gives out black bags, so I just kind of hid it in a black bag for a while. So when my wife was cleaning up, she's like, what the hell is this? I'm like, oh, that's Peter Parker's origin story. <laughs> I have to point out that when he says 16-year-old girls, I don't, we don't mean like TV 16-year-old, like 20-year-olds portraying 16-year-olds. We mean like you walk outside and your 16-year-old neighbor is like walking in. Yeah, she's like sunbathing of, yeah. and then you're just watching. That's what it feels like Every if time you're like you creeping at on at your 16-year-old neighbor sunbathing every time you look at these covers and then she does one of these things with a glass where she pulls them down and she goes what are you looking at you want to buy my book and i'm like no <laughs> run inside and don't tell your dad <laughs> but i assure you that once you get past the awful awful covers the content inside is actually worth the read i i enjoyed this can like, i say that no I, I i can honestly say i enjoyed this and what's really funny is this is not a superhero comic book this is very much in the vein of those old school lovey-dovey like this is a comics that you comic. that you don't normally see where it's like all about you know kids getting away and getting all crazy it's basically the um you know wet hot american summer of comic books that we're holding right here yeah with less uh less slapsticky type of stuff yeah but i think it's funny that we some there was some slapsticky type of stuff 
But for the most part, it was like it was a, a teen sex comedy. Yeah. That kind of veered into a teen sex like after school special. And then surprise, this all taking place in the Marvel universe, way before the Marvel universe actually kicks off. Yep. And then you can see it like from the first two pages, like uh, there there are two teenage girls like kissing her moms and dads goodbye, and it's just like bye May, bye Mary. And the next page is two dudes like saying goodbye to their family. It's like bye Ben, bye Richard, and all of a sudden you're like, huh. Kind of lights are think, starting to go off. I think off. something's afoot here. I know those names. Those names are awfully familiar. And they're awfully familiar when they're grouped together where they are. That's because... In New York City. Richard and Queens. <laughs> <laughs> what was like Forest Hills. Yeah. Forest Specifically Hill. Forest, Forest Hills, Queens. <laughs> they mentioned it. I was just like, okay. So, just so you guys... If you guys don't know, uh, Mary and Richard are Peter Parker's biological parents in the uh, Marvel continuity, and May and Ben are the people who took care of them. Uncle Ben specifically is like one of the big ones that taught him with pow- great power comes great responsibility. Essentially the godparents of Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, they became his legal guardian. So, for anyone that's reading the comic books and picked that up, it's just, if you start looking into it, there's a lot of signs that are pointing out to it, but they don't come right out and lay it down until later on. The payoff is just great on this. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting a scene later on where, like, uh, May goes to kill a spider. <laughs> and then Ben's like, no. <laughs> no, honey. Let it flourish. <laughs> it will become something great someday. And with its greatness it will come, come great responsibility. <laughs> it's like, we have the power to do right. Yeah. With that power comes responsibility yeah. to let it live. That did not quite happen, now did it? <laughs> But what we did get was some of the greatest Terry Dodson art I've ever seen. Like, for what it's worth, they really put a lot of money into the production value of this. So after they say goodbye to each other, they're going off to the Hamptons. Um, Immediately we get, like, our title page, which kind of sets the tone for the whole thing. And you have Mark Miller's name on a billboard of this guy just, like, in his underwear, muscular, (laughs) and posing. And they have Terry Dodson popping up, all the others. So I'm like, okay, so this is a Mark Miller joint. Yes. And love him or hate him, like he is entertaining, and this, this series is entertaining as hell. He kind of it kind of looked like he accepted challenges. Like, all right, I want you to tell like you sitting in a. You got to say it like Mark Miller. All right, I'll let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're sitting in the bar. <laughs> we're going through all the shit. They're all sat there. They have sex. <laughs> in the Hamptons, they have a sex. Mayor pops out a little baby and they're like, oh, God, Mary's just like, oh, take it. Give it back to Richie. That's basically my Grant Morrison impersonation. It's, it's not bad. That is a Mark Miller impersonation as well. That's not bad, though. It does but... double duty. It's just that Mark Miller sounds less on drugs than Grant Morrison. <laughs> But Mark Miller, it looks like someone literally, after like many rounds of drinking, be like, can you write anything? Sure. All right. I dare you to write a story about like Peter Parker's parents. I could do that. Yeah. When they were young and horny teenagers. Oh, I could definitely do that. Well, this is kind of his specialty too, (laughs) because he was one of the architects of the Ultimate Universe. Yes. He reinvented the X-Men. He reinvented the Ultimates, which didn't like the X-Men too much. The Ultimates, by God, one of my favorite series of all times. And then he's like riding high on that. He had like Old Man Logan, which I think came a little after this. But still, he's like the guy you go to if you need a reinvention. See, I I I have to disagree with you. I like the X Men. I thought it was really good because it, I mean, they it, they kept the core of it with them struggling, but it updated them, and it didn't do the cheesy thing that did now, where it's like people that write young characters but then turn them all into like douchebags because all like those rascally kids. No, like they were actually like full-on developed characters except for ultimate wolverine he got a little skeezy but that, yeah. that's a story for another day but that's a sidebar <laughs> we're getting back to mark miller's current one so it's just like of course if you're gonna go ahead and jump off of like the big uh, and like launch a new imprint mark miller is one of your main options because your other one is bendis and your other one at the time was probably going to be Chuck Austin. <laughs> because he did almost everything. Pass. Pass. Hard pass. Show the swipe left. So now we go into trouble. So let's go ahead. Bruno, can you go ahead and give us a quick rundown of uh, the main points All right, of trouble plot? All right. Uh, for this plot, uh, these two girls uh, go ahead 
and uh, go away for the weekend uh, to work, or sorry, for not weekend, for the summer, to go ahead and work uh, at the Hamptons, which is uh, the ritzier side of town if you live over in Forest Hills. It's so, just... like, the whole time they're expecting that they're just going to have fun, they're going to hang out by the beach, they're going to get some money to buy a car, but it t- turns out that it's a little bit different. Well, no, well, I mean, very from the get-go, I think at least one of them knew where it was going to go, seeing as how one of them stole a bottle of bourbon. Yeah. I was like, it's going to be that kind of weekend. <laughs> so they were clearly looking to find, you know, some fun, some boys. Um, and then simultaneously, we have two brothers who are doing what every guy wants to do for summer vacation. They're going to go find a job that'll get them money so they can hook up with girls. Um, and as they're working the resort, of course, these two uh, couple of people run into each other. And then there's the usual, because this is riffing off of one of our you know, teen sex movies, mm-hmm. there's got to be the, the super inept, prudish, yeah. but super prudish owner is like, There'll be no sex or kinkiness over here. There's no hanky-panky on these premises. And he almost kind of looks like... You know who he reminds me of? Milton Burris from, uh, like... Meredith. Meredith. Thank you. Why I say Milton? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith Burris. Like, that's what he kind of looks like. He does kind of look like the penguin. Also, I will posit this. Ace Ventura Pet Detective, uh, When Nature Calls, uh, the Monopoly Man. <laughs> yes! Yes, he does! <laughs> <laughs> Except he's got bifocals, not yeah. a monocle. But, <laughs> a monocle. but it, literally, his first pose is exactly that. <laughs> Just drop one hmm, um, Activism. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, every one of the scenes he's got, he's got some snarky, like drawing of him just being like no sex and fun on my property <laughs> well he's literally watching them have like, sex he's like <laughs> he's literally stalking them the entire time that they're off trying to find out if they're having sex in fact the one part they go skinny dipping and he tries to bust it up and i don't even understand how this works but call it comic book logic where there's one clearing he went in they're in the water she floats her bra down the water so he, he like gets distracted by it and picks it up and then they sneak behind him in the panel you see them walk behind him. <laughs> it wasn't even like they took a clearing they literally he was like a brawl <laughs> and that was all his attention because he's that prudish and they're just sneaking behind him and it's like that's probably the best action he's ever gotten he's like sniffing them he's like mm, yes and sure enough, his wife walked by. He's like, I can explain, honey. I can explain. 18 years old. <laughs> they smell like titties. <laughs> Not on my watch. So, uh, as teenagers are wont to do, uh, they start coupling off. So we have, uh, as you would expect, Ben and May and uh, Richard and Mary. Which is perfect. That's the way I remember it from my childhood. Yeah. Why is anyone complaining about this series? Well, because... <laughs> Because apparently there is a running uh, theme in there that they went, the the girls went to a fortune teller last summer and they got their fortune read. And uh, in the fortune, it told it was was told that uh, Mary was never going to be a mother, and simultaneously May was going to be a mother before she reached the age of twenty, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. If she had sex before twenty one, she was going to be a mom. So. So, uh, May is very much on the prudish side, which, again, kind of fits with the character if you think about it. Although, if you think about it a little bit more, not really. <laughs> no. no, Mary we don't really know much about, aside yeah. from, you know, all that stuff with the red skull that she did. <laughs> but May? Yeah. What happens with May? God forbid. She's supposed to be going there and hooking up with churches and stuff like that. She's a good Catholic girl. Yeah, she, she comes from that world. But no, no, May is Girls Gone Wild incarnate. As soon as she gets in the car to go to the Hampton, she's like, let's get some dick. Like, that's like almost verbatim some of the stuff that falls out of her. Yeah, so what winds up happening is May is going to town on, um, on, um, Ben. On Ben, and Richard is basically frozen out. He's playing the good card because he's stuck with Mary, who's afraid she's going to get knocked off. And up. he really likes Mary, but yeah. he's also a super horn dog. Yeah. And that's like the kind of irony between this because Ben almost never gets any action, but he's hooked up with May. And now Richard's hooked up with Mary, and then he's not getting anything. So it's just like almost like, hey, like Richard thought he'd be getting all this stuff, and all of a sudden I'm getting all of it. 
That's pretty good. But like every M. Night Shyamalan movie, here's a twist. <laughs> Winds up that uh, Richard uh, decides that he's had enough of this, of the Prude Act. So he goes ahead and he hooks up with, uh, you guessed it, May. And May decides that she's kind of tired of Ben being such a goody-good and having sex just right all the time and not really being too adventurous. Yeah. And then she goes ahead and goes for the bad boy. And even though they cannot stand each other, they as, cannot stand each other. they've actually said multiple times. like After they've had sex and before they've had sex, they'd be like, I can't stand you. Then they bang it out and they'd be like, I still can't stand you. And then they just like, <laughs> go off their own separate All right, way. right. Well, I'm going to go. See you. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Here's some money. <laughs> I'm not a whore. I was like, but uh, here's some money. Here's some money. <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile, uh, while May is horning it up with other horn dog, uh, Richard, uh, Mary is covering for May um, and keeping poor uh, Ben in the dark. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we come to find out that, like any bad series or or bad life choice, she's pregnant. Yeah. And so now her... um, Mary doesn't know what to do. Uh, I think they, they kind of float the abortion idea. Yeah. Like once, and then it gets resolved pretty quickly because, like, May doesn't want to get rid of the baby. No, no, I mean, and if you think about it... It makes sense for her character. Given, given the time frame, too, it wasn't a, a, exactly a popular mm-hmm. choice. So so May has decided she's going to have this kid, mm-hmm. but she wants to keep it from Ben. Um, and Mary is, at the same time, um, being, like, the best friend ever and still keeping the secret. Even though she doesn't actually know who it is that... Uh, May is hate banging all the time, but just that there is another guy in the And picture. she knows there's another guy. And as far as Mary knows, there are multiple guys. Yeah. Because May's kind of, I almost called her Aunt May. <laughs> May's kind of playing it up like she's like sleeping with everybody. Yeah. Like, and she's just like, yeah, I've got a new boyfriend tonight. Just kind of helping her throw like Mary off of the scent that, hey, I'm banging your boyfriend. And, uh, well, <laughs> as it comes out, um, something finally clicks on uh, May's side, and she realizes that she can have sex, and all will be well. So, finally, um, May gets gives Ben uh, his due. <laughs> yep. Um, and Mary finally gives it to Richard, but, you know, at this point, uh, their life choices are in there. Mary's clearly... Um, upset still at may and may is about to have her baby so Mm -hmm. there's a bit of a powwow and here's where the crooks of this whole comic book and the thing that threw everyone off may has the kid names it peter name might sound familiar considering their last name's parker (laughs) um so but in a classic twist uh they go ahead and May doesn't take credit for it, gives it to Mary, who already knew she was going to be a mom. So she was, in her mind, prepared for it. And since she's been such a goody-goody, uh, her parents were, like, behind her. As long yeah. as as long as long Richard did the right thing, <laughs> and this was his test, so she shows up at his door he said, this with is the kid. Your baby. This is your baby. You need to take care of this. You need to take care of it, and he needs to step up and do the right thing. And so they go ahead and get married. And, uh, the whole uh you know origin of peter parker is based on a lie <laughs> yeah because his aunt may who's like a mother to him is his mother yeah did you catch the really subtle uh like glimpse i mean uh, allusion to peter parker being spider-man in this was there one well in the birth scene uh may had spider veins on her legs <laughs> <laughs> there was no birth scene <laughs> no no no, he's just being a jerk. <laughs> I just thought that joke up and thought I needed to say it. Damn it, I feel better now. <laughs> that, 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 that's fair. That's fair. I've got a couple of jokes coming that I can't wait to say. Uh... <laughs> All right, let's cue them up. <laughs> so right away, off the bat, like this isn't the best thing I've read from Mark Miller, but it's good, man. Like I actually really enjoy this. So like the whole time, this is a good teen sex comedy. Like you uh, watch some of the movies, like uh, any kind of like a uh, summer camp type of kids horning it up type of thing even like a caddyshackish 
type of thing. It's got those beats to it. What's funny is I remember reading this um, at the comic book shop. I didn't buy it, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Because you did not want to pay for this cover? Given at the time, I could have gotten away with it and it wouldn't have been creepy. Yeah. But I'm just saying, it was like, it really didn't appeal to me. I mean, there were no hero superheroes yeah. in it. It was, it was a romance comic book. But, you know, when you read through all the ones and you want, like, you want to take them home to open them up and whatnot, like, you're, you're going to sit there and peruse. That's an, it's an easy read. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. it's beautiful art, too. So it's just like, I mean, it like, kind of makes it end. There's yeah. lots of Terry Dots and cleavage in here, and I mean, which a, makes it super appealing for someone around your age when this comes out. Yeah, there was a, like, a lot of decent humor in there mm-hmm. that kept it going. So I, I remember like not hating it, just not really seeing the need to buy it. But going back and reading it, even though I already knew what the twist was, because I remember when it came out like, and they finally announced the twist, and it's like, it was like the early stages of the internet, and it's like... Oh no, Peter Parker's world got flipped upside down, but yeah. obviously it's not in continuity. And then, like, I, I read the last edition, I'm like, oh wow, this is really great. I don't think they're ever going to reference it. But no yeah, one's ever going to reference it. And really, one of the biggest reasons that kind of puts it uh, out of continuity, like, uh, they made sure that they doubled down on the fact that this is not Peter Parker's real origin. Yeah, because at the wedding, Bucky Barnes is there in a post world appearance, post World War II appearance, where he's just like, oh, this is my dad's Marine buddy. And, like, Bucky Barnes goes ahead and shakes his hand. And it's just like, oh, okay. Right. So it's just like they went through these issues. Now they're just blatantly saying this is not real. For all you comic book fans that are going to ask the question, yes, he has two arms. Although technically, <laughs> technically speaking, one of them you can only see the like the hand, the handshake. The other one you can't see the arm. So maybe it was prosthetic. Let me see. I'm going back for it. Yeah, he could have a claw. For <laughs> so his hands off panel. His hand is off <laughs> panel. Like, what if he shook his hand with the robot hand and just crushed his goddamn bones? <laughs> so we we don't know. He he could have been like this is in between like assassinating JFK. Like he popped it just to kind of hang out. Like the, he woke up wedding. from the red, like from the Winter Soldier program, checked his mail. It's like oh, a wedding invitation. Hold on, I'll be right there. What are you up to? Oh, nothing. Just kill someone. Comes <laughs> yeah. in, like here you go. I got a gift. It's Russian. You know what would've been super cool? Like if there was a good Easter egg, was he's like in the background with a gun out a window? Like <laughs> <laughs> everyone's dancing and he's picking someone off on the street. And it turns out the wedding was in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> What's Near a place called the Grassy Knoll. <laughs> Gee, Ben. uh, Gee, gee, Richard, Mary. It's a great uh, time you chose to do this. Like, I could see the presidential parade right out the window. (laughs) I also like that, like, no big deal. Here's my old army buddy, freaking Bucky Barnes. You know, Captain America's sidekick. He was on on all those old serials. He's just like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I stood next to Captain America. It was cool. But then again, in this world, it looks like there are no superheroes or anything. It's Not just really. more like references. It's it's its, its own continuity, which yeah. by itself, like, you take it for what it is, good story. But it is a good story. As I said, for a love comic <clears throat> story, there's a lot of punches. It really reads less like those old school lovey-dovey comics where it's like, I love you so much, Martha, and yeah. more of just like a teen movie. Like, yeah, more like a, a, a modern after-school special type of thing yeah. they're going for. They, they kind of went for a Degrassi type of feel. Yeah, that, that's actually a good one. It's it's like Degrassi, <clears throat> but less Canadian. Yeah. They don't say A. <laughs> and Drake's nowhere to be found. <laughs> There's no Jane Silent Bob <laughs> special that pops up in the middle of it. No, it's very much a human story. Which begs the question, even though this is not an Oh God It Burns, like this is a really, really bad story, I posit you this question. Okay. So, if you were to take a really good comic and burden it with one of the worst premises and bundle it with a group of the worst covers, what do you get? Trouble. You get trouble. <laughs> you fall into this. It's infamous. 
no one I feel that has ever trash talked this has ever taken the chance to read it because it's so impenetrable you have to get past the cover. Yeah. Now they did do a trade paperback re-release in 2010, and they rightfully so got rid of uh, these uh, these picture covers. Yeah. And they have like an image of uh, May putting on her her lipstick, and Mary kind of standing behind her and stuff like that. So it's like very female focused. So that's more what they're kind of going for with it. I feel so like it's if they like sold that they probably right off the bat as just like because I mean now they're doing it where they just come out with like <clears throat> graphic novels that are straight. Uh, graphic novels not necessarily collecting issues like they did it for um, Ultron they did it rec- uh, not uh, like the uh, Rage of Ultron yeah. where, where you find out that Ultron at the end spoiler merges with Hank Pym like that was done as its own separate graphic novel it wasn't part of an Avengers storyline so to do that I think that would have been a better route for a comic book if they're really going to try to appease, they would just release a, a graphic novel, kind of like what they did with the before the tsunami line and stuff yeah. like that. They did have like a Mary Jane graphic novel, yeah. uh, with like art by Mike Mayhew and someone else had written it. Like this would fit pretty well within that, and I think it would have been better because honestly, getting people to keep buying and coming out with those covers would have just been like it was just a put off. Yeah, uh, and and like. It's also known at the time, too, like, Mark Miller was kind of on a Fumetti kick. And Fumetti is, like, the Italian picture comics. So you take images, you Photoshop, and you kind of make them look really, really good. And then you put word balloons to them. And it's like an art style in Europe, uh, specifically in Italy. And his whole 1984, 1985, was it? I think it was 1984. But he was going to come out with this, and it was going to be a totally Fumetti thing. And I remember around the time, like, the the first images were released, and one of them was the Hulk. And the Hulk looked like he just had, like, this someone's dad with a big beer belly. <laughs> just kind of hanging out. So that got scrapped really, really quickly. So that was, like, a uh, an experiment that never really got off the ground from it. There, and But this is, like, kind of a remnant of Mark Miller's infatuation with Fumetti Comics. Yeah. And you can kind of see where he's going with, with it. Uh, 1984 was... Uh, 1985 was actually kind of, like, redone with art by Tommy Lee Edwards... And it turned out to be a pretty good story about how the Marvel comics like come into the real world. Yeah. So we could make the argument that this takes place in the 1985 universe, where it was a more real world-ish before it came in. But I think that is probably the explanation for that, because I know Mark Miller was really, really trying to push it for a while. But yeah, when we get down to it, Trouble really wasn't that much of a Trouble read. I, I kind of like breeze through it. Very enjoyable. I mean, I mean, in all fairness, though, we gave it quite the advantage because it had to compete with Marvel. So. It had to compete with Marvel, uh, most of Ron Zimmerman's bullshit <laughs> that we had to wade through. This See, I, Marvel made me miss Zimmerman. <laughs> Marvel made me miss Zimmerman. Marvel made me miss Ultimate Adventures. <laughs> and this one made me, like, hopeful like, of the future. Like, they're like, oh, there are good comics again. And oh, like, this one's one that's just trashed by reputation, not trashed by actual content. Yeah. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into our uh, awards for this one right here. So for Trouble, first of all, we want to go ahead and clear the table. We do have Crisis and Continuity. Now, we've already established through Bucky Barnes that this it does not take place really in this continuity, but... For the longest time, everyone thought this did take place and that this was going to be the actual replacement because they were doing some really weird shit at Marvel at this time and going back and retconning a lot of stuff. So for their Christ and Continuity, we have how Richard and Mary first met. They did not meet at the Hamptons. They were actually secret spies for the U.S. uh, government. Um... Richard was actually uh, a spy for the government and then he was recruited to the CIA by Nick Fury himself. Uh, And meanwhile... uh, Mary was a CIA analyst, and they actually met in the on the field, uh, and that's one of the reasons that they essentially faked their own death because they were not able to raise this kid and provide for his safety, and then later on, actually did die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and were replaced by weird robots. We don't talk about that much. That was like although the chameleons, we, clones, or something yeah, like although the we, chameleons. We should bring that back gambit. at some point. That that because that was like a really weird thing. Because not only. Like, he turned them into, like, the only thing I could think of was, like, if you've seen Power Rangers the movie, like, Ivan Ooze clones. Because they were, like, purple. They didn't even look like robots. They were, like, clay face. Like, yeah. they were great flavored clay faces. Like, I, it didn't even make sense. I think the best way to kind of describe this era of Spider-Man was just, like, you know... Drugs is a hell of a thing, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David Michelinie was just, like, throwing shit out there. Almost, like, the same way that Dan Slott was just throwing shit out there. 
like throughout the last bit of his run, which like there are some really good gems in both of their runs, and they're both regarded as great Spider-Man writers. But then you get to some other stuff, which is like, ah, oh, like did that idea really have to exist? I was like, yeah, Chameleon uh, brought back Peter Parker's parents as as robots. I was like, so were they not really super spies and stuff? Oh no, they they totally work for the Red Skull. I'm like, just can we just leave that part out of here because there's no reason Peter Parker needs to be connected to the Red Skull. No. I mean, at the very least, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna bring back Parker's parents, I would have gone with the Jackal. Just more clones. Why the fuck not? I mean, yeah, you can't fuck that story up any more than it has been. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, clones. All right, but now it's like, pretty much Peter' life story is like Attack of the Clones. It is. He's like fucking clones. Yep. Hey, and, uh, maybe a subtle nod to recommendation down the line. Yeah. <laughs> for the, the clone story i mean but yeah so it's just like they were they were secret agents and like it's never been something that was super interesting yeah. so when amazing spider-man 2 tried to make it all about peter's parents it's just like who gives a shit sony just move on to the good stuff i mean i, I give them credit for the first one because they touched on like it but again they lost points when they tried to make it so that spider-man wasn't just like a lucky dude he was in the right place at the right time it's like no this is cl- like keyed into your genetic makeup and that's what makes the serum work and mm-hmm. and then the whole too is all about like the search for which by the way the deleted scene proved that richard was actually alive and that was going to be the big twist but then they decided not to do that hey you know what if sony still had spider-man maybe they'd be able to finish that one but guess what baby's back in the mcu <laughs> Let's hear it. At least for one more movie and a cameo somewhere else. Hey, I'm fine with that. As long as you bring back my... Right, they left it off way too much of a cliffhanger for them to not to address it. What were they going to do for the Sony picture? You know that stuff where everyone knows he's Peter Man, Spider-Man? Get it? No, they would still have the same thing, but they just couldn't have any of you the couldn't. characters. You couldn't possibly do that. Cause like, yeah, they could. Yeah, they no, could. No, you couldn't because the blip. They spent the first five minutes of the movie explaining how the blip worked. You could never mention the blip again and it would be fine. That They, they mentioned that it would be good. You know what? We're getting off on a all tangent. Right, all right. You know what? This is what happens. You know, before we end this tangent, <laughs> I've oh, got something go. to say. All right, this. here we go. First of all, I get that Sony did not treat Spider-Man the best. Yeah. Like they kind of really bit like dropped the ball with Amazing uh, with Spider-Man three. Like Sam Raimi never wanted to make that movie. Every, they really pushed Venom on every him. Every time the studio got involved in the movie, yeah. they shot it down. Mm-hmm. Then they made Amazing Spider-Man, which is like okay, that's Amazing that's okay. Spider-Man one was good. It's not bad. All the plot lines that they had set up at the end of Spider-Man, they dropped all of it, and I don't know who they hired to write to, but it was awful. Like yeah. the whole, I love the idea they of turned, cross species. That they was, turned uh, what was it, Electro, into basically Edward Nigma from uh, Batman Forever. Yo, know? like that was all he did. It was just like the like, eccentric. I'm evil because you ignored me. They turned Doctor Kafka into Doctor Hugo Strange. Yes, <laughs> which was one of my like. I hate that because I love Doctor Kafka from the Demetrius. They, they stuff. turned Harry Osborn into a leper king. That's all I could think about. Like, but. They turned Rhino into Paul Giamatti, and I love that. I did. I loved it. And you know what you didn't get a lot of? Paul Giamatti is the Rhino. They didn't even finish <laughs> the fight scene. You're making Russian accents, you spider They didn't even finish the last fight scene, which is the best thing about the movie, where he's swinging the freaking thing, and I was like... That was a good ending great. scene, though. But, back to my point. All right. So, they dropped the ball, then Marvel got involved, and they cut this deal where it's just like, you know what? We want Spider-Man back in the MCU. Uh, you guys can get all the profits from it. We'll just take our 5%, but we get merchandising. So, that was the deal. Then, all of a sudden, they make it into a billion-dollar movie. Sony realizes this franchise is gold right now. We don't need Marvel. We can keep making these, and we can still make a huge profit off of it. And what did Marvel do? To break the deal, they went from their 5% and they said, 50%, take it or leave it. What would you do as Sony? And plus, Marvel gets all the mar- merchandising rights too? Like, that was a bad deal to begin with. Although, I have to speak... Everyone a, everyone as, hates Sony for that, but devil, Sony made the right business decision. As, as a devil's advocate, here's a, something that most people don't know. Did you know that despite the deal that they worked out, Sony footed the bill on all the production costs? Yeah, now... Now Marvel's footing 25% of the bill, and they're getting 25% of the first day profits. Which makes sense, because in all honesty, like, yeah, granted, it was because they were playing in Marvel's, yeah. pen, uh, you know, pig pen that they made 
So this really, thing. like Marvel but, pushed in hard, and they screwed Sony on that deal. So Sony, of course, walked away from it. Yeah, Sony was like, "Dude, we're putting," and they got so much hate for we're it. Putting all this money in, and you guys are taking half of it back. Nah. Yeah. Like you did the hard work. We could probably like make a movie that isn't going to completely suck, and we'll still maybe, make a lot of money as long maybe, as we follow up on these plot lines. It won't make. We won't make it past two more movies, but still, you know, we got something. Like, yeah. So. That's my tangent. Back to our awards. <laughs> so, Richard and Mary were hunting the Red Skull. Whatever. They were Nazi hunters. Yes. Back in the CIA. Now, we've got the old Parker Luck. <laughs> we're talking about old Benji boy going to bat. All right. So, one thing that I conveniently left out of the summary is that um, May, uh, to so that you didn't completely hate the character, um, she came, they, you know, they portrayed her as basically, like, almost like a pastor's daughter. Like, he wasn't a pastor, but she was, like, a very church-going person. So, of course, every chance she got, she would go drinking, and, you know, she was all about the D. Yeah. <laughs> so, all, all about it. it. Um, so we got, what was going on with her is that there was a little uh, plot line going on that she's working at the hotel. They had one time where they took that, like, mock trip out, and they pretended to be rich, Mm-hmm. And then they ran. That in. was a really good scene too. That was really cool. Where they went on the town and they pretended to be people that they weren't because they were totally not making any mo- like five dollars a week. Like, but like they went out to like the most expensive places. Like, let me try that. No, it, does it come in pink? Like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And of course, they run into the townies, like the actual people that belong there that have like the money. And by the way, townies in the Hamptons are the equivalent of like billionaire kids. Yeah. Or well, in that time, millionaire kids. So. You know, they're like, what are you doing in our neck of the woods? you like, you served me breakfast. Back to your hovel. So, you know, they kind of crapped on her parade. And then while she was serving them, in comes this fat dude who, in any social, like, social status, he would never have a shot with men. Like, this is the kind of dude that she would be like, hold my books while I go make out with, like, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he's <clears throat> cracking jokes on her because, like, I've got money. What do you got? You make me food. And if you say shit to me i'm gonna go ahead and call the manager complain about you and get you fired because you don't need like i know you need this job and i'm rich i could do whatever the fuck i want so that particular uh interaction caused her to have the breakdown that inevitably richard being um at the right place in the right time took advantage of it and while they got into an intense argument about it the hate banging began well Apparently, Mary, being the good friend, explained to Ben what happened, and Ben, with like the sh- like the all I can think of is just like literally he saw red like the Torah. Like if this was a Looney Tunes comic book, he'd be like snorting out like steam, and yeah. his, like face would just be completely red. He's like, I'll show them, and he like books it out there, and Mary runs to find Richard and May, and it's like Ben's gonna go beat up those dudes. He's he's like. I couldn't calm him down. He's lost his mind. That Richard's like, oh Richard's no! Like, like, oh no! Oh my god! He got kicked out. He got banned from fighting he's anymore like, from the police department. So it's like, like Ben's a badass, it's man. Like, we're tired. Like it's like he can't do this. He can't get into any more fights. It's like, like they'll throw him. They'll throw him in jail. And so he runs to it, and they're like, as they're running, it's like cut to Ben being like, yo, fat boy. I got something. You got words. And it's like in the stall. And then the stall door closes. Then you get a bunch of cartoon. Bing, bang, bang. Like, like you just bang, see bang, like, bing, yeah, just bing, like. Bing, birdies, noises. stars. And then. Little squiggles. And then Richard walks into the bathroom and the girls are like right behind him. And the stall door opens up and the fat boy standing over there is like, I'll give you another one if you lip up to me again, boy. And it turns out that Ben, with that old Parker luck has a glass jaw. And when I say a glass jaw, I mean like cheap glass, like cubic zirconium, like, like you just tap him and he breaks. Well, I'm... also apparently he's got glass testicles. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to because. that. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, apparently the reason that the cops had, had said they were to arrest him if he got in any more fights is because they were tired of taking him to the emergency room. Because mm-hmm. every time he got in a fight, he lost. And so, compounding the old Parker look, he's sterile, as we find out. That's not why when him and 
may actually eventually get it on. And boy, do they get it on. Yeah. Like, he's walking around with an ice pack. He's like, oh my god. This is hurting my groin, right? man. Like, like, then I- he's just like, uh, May, I've got something to tell you. Me first. And just like, okay, go for it. I'm pregnant. And he's just like, Bitch. sterile. Bitch. <laughs> 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 get out of here. <laughs> he doesn't quite do that. Like, Ben just doesn't. He, he's ben, still ben, like a really straight on guy like the ben whole time. Is he's just like up the nice He guy. just like looks and he's like I'm sterile. Like he's just like you going to explain this? <laughs> like what just happened? Ben is the ducky of this comic book. Mm-hmm. He's just like the best friend and like the perfect boyfriend who clearly is not the one that the girl wants, but he steps up. And yeah. so, yeah. So he, he he's gotten beat up so many times that he's actually been rendered sterile. So at this point, it's pretty clear that the father has to be Richard, and only one that knows that is at this point still um, May. Although eventually Mary kind of catches on, um, and then there's the epic confrontation between the two of them where they just kind of part ways. Yeah. Which we forgot to mention the whole part where like May ran away and she hooked up with this guy on the road and he was like punching her and beating her up and stuff. But she was just like hiding the fact that she had a baby like she was just getting fat. I, I would have thought that oh man we didn't do a should have swiped left on that one. Nah we didn't. Should have swiped left. Uh, forget about that uh, that guy in the, the Winnebago. Yeah. The, the, the guy in the Winnebago that like so he's basically beaten up a, a chick that's pregnant. He doesn't know she's pregnant. He doesn't know. But, but he's like, I, I like the one at night. Like, we know he's been abusing her and stuff, but he's just like, she won't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> he's laying down with those doe eyes like, okay, well, whatever. Maybe but if it, I almost makes me, it almost <laughs> makes me think that May was making that shit up. Because the, the scenes you saw with him, you never saw him abusing her. It was more like her saying like, he beat me up good. And, like, the one time we see them, like, where he could have made a move, like, sexually, he's just like, all right, so, I guess I'm not, I guess she's not that into me. <laughs> he rolls over and that's it. Like, he's like, I'm abusive, but I'm not a rapist, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I draw the line. Listen, you step out of line, I will pop you in the eye. God help me. God help me. Both your fucking eyes. I know how to hit you right on the nose to make it look like you're raccooning for the rest of the month. But, but... My pee-pee only works with consent. <laughs> it's like, that way I don't get the real joke. <laughs> that way I could just kind of hang out and just wonder why you're just not into me that much. Maybe it's because I'm punching the nose. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, that brings us to our last uh, negative award is the jackpot, which is uh, Aunt May's condom line, which uh, is Face It Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. Now, if you didn't know this was a, a Spider-Man comic book... You knew it! You knew it as soon as that line hit. Which, I'm just about to... This is what it, what I felt when I read that line. So, if you're a comic book fan, or at this point, have a passing interest in Spider-Man. Now, we're not going to talk about the current Aunt May. No, no. No, no. Not that Aunt May. Because she's... Where's the Tomei? You mean the Aunt May that uh, uh, banged uh, J. Jonah Jameson's dad? Yes. Well, no, no. I'm talking You're about... You're talking about Marissa Tomei? I'm talking about Marissa Tomei. Because, like... Who got down with Happy? Yeah. Okay. Not her. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're taking it back. And we're not going to the Andrew Garfield one, because th- that was, like, Crypt Keeper old, but, you know... No, that wasn't good. That was Sally Fields, man. That was Sally Fields. That was right. Sally Fields. No, was... She's still sexy. Are you, what are you trying to do? <laughs> what are you proving? <laughs> I ruined this thing. No, no. We're, we're taking it back. Back to Toby's. Toby's time. That's the Aunt May I want you picturing. That's the picture that I want in your heads. Holding that condom. Saying, face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. That image is going to stay with you for the rest of your lives. Mm -hmm. And I also will say this, too. The way that Terry Dodson draws Aunt May, she looks just like Mary Jane. So that line is like... Almost something out of, like, an original comic. Which also means that, at some point, Aunt May taught Mary Jane that line. Moms teach teens. Right? (laughs) Marvel edition. Aunt May was uh, moonlighting as Brandy Love. (laughs) And on Pornhub. (laughs) But... She had the birds and the bees talk with Mary Jane, gave her the things. Like, and remember, you always gotta finish it with, 
Honey, you just hit the jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I know what I'm doing now. It runs in our bloodline. It gets us going. <laughs> but also, Mary the Prude was portrayed as Gwen Stacy yeah. as well, which kind of leads us into our Golden Colonel Award goes to 100%. Terry and Rachel Dotson's artwork is the best I think it has ever been here in these five issues. Their artwork is just phenomenal. I mean, in, in I, I've... I love the Dotsons and anything that they mm. do, but like... I mean, I'll be honest, I'm more of a Yannick Paquette guy, because it kind of scratches the same itch. Nah, it's Dotsons But Dotsons, like... Dude, ever since that, um, the evil that men do, what, and I remember because the ad for it was great, where they did the sample page, and you see Spider-Man... On, surfing on the, on uh, the surfing manhole, on the manhole. Cover. I was like, that is great artwork there. Or maybe right. request to come aboard is like one of my favorite lines. So I was like, I was like, that right there is just great artwork. Because even if he didn't say anything, just the shot of it alone is just like, mm-hmm. I would love so to have that on my wall. <laughs> yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, why did he never become like a main Spider-Man artist? Like, I think he would have killed it. But yeah. you know, that's Kevin Smith's deal. Like, he had a shot. Could have been working with the Dotsons on a, a long-term Spider-Man thing, and that's probably not the last time I'll ever say that, because I... Goddamn Kevin Smith. I love you, but damn I it. really lament that. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Dotsons knocking out of the park, and there's no superheroes, because I think the thing that kind of puts me back with the Dotsons is that I really don't like how they draw superheroes. And it's just a personal preference, but every time I see them draw a superhero, like I much prefer like they have a good style for like regular clothes. It's kind of like when I see Jamie McKelvey draw superheroes like he draws teen so well or like adrian alfona on runaways like if he draws like superheroes like no i just like your down to earth type of thing a lot better and then rachel and terry dotson they're like glamour artists so when they get a chance to just do straight glamour and just like make it look good it shines big time so it's just like if there's any reason you should be picking this up a like you need to give it a shot just because everything you heard about it is just not what you yeah. think it is it's out of continuity like and it, they establish that with the Bucky Barnes thing but you need to pick this up to get yourself your hands on the greatest Rachel and Terry I, I mean I, I gotta give it up Marvel in the early like thousands like 2000s was just known for they tried to push the the boundary and I get what they were trying to do but it always kind of blew up in their face because it's <clears> like they missed what they were trying to do like this is goes right back to um Raw High Kid. Yeah. Like, everyone, all anyone remembers is like, that's They're the all gay, about the controversy. That, that's the like, gay cowboy comic book, but like, not the content within it, which was actually enjoyable. But Same not thing here. Sensational 7. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sensational 7, they doubled down on, on it and... They doubled down on the gay. Yeah. And no, it didn't no, work out. No, no, But this was great. But this one, like, this is a good... And, and, and can we all be happy that they didn't double down on this and give us, like, trouble to Aunt May take the cooking class? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she learns how to be a housewife. Learns how to make wheat cakes because Ben is just, like, talking about responsibility. Like, listen, if I'm going to be raising your kid... No, wait. I got that back up. No. <laughs> My brother's going to be raising your kid. They're going to be cooking me wheat cakes. Yeah. The controversy for that one is wheat cakes were actually done by Betty Crocker. Yeah. <laughs> they're not a home they're not a special homemade recipe. It's, <laughs> but the box is custom. <laughs> <laughs> the box just says face a tiger you just hit the, the whole trouble too is her just taking an art class to <laughs> to learn how to make a realistic looking box. No, there is no trouble too. Please don't go yeah. looking for it. I will make that. Mark Miller. Yes. <laughs> Let's make trouble too. Oh, the tr- first trouble now they make. I want a big splash of it. That really didn't go well. But maybe I forget the door size back. Mark, I don't understand a word you say. <laughs> no, it does. Just go ahead and do your Netflix stuff. Thank God he, can, fine. he can write. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is beautiful. What's it say? I bet, oh, no, Could you imagine if he wrote it. the same way? <laughs> You're like, Mark, I know you're a genius, dude, but no one can tell what the hell you're saying. <laughs> you sound like a like like fat bastard. On like coke. if James Joyce was drunk all the time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would sound like on paper, uh, which I'm sure he was. But 
Now that we've wrapped it on trouble, we've gotten into trouble. We've got out of trouble. We figured that trouble wasn't that bad, so we're going to keep doing it again. We're going to double down on the Spider-Man. Let's time... double down. We're going to go ahead and start looking at some recommendations. All if right. you like this, which I hope you did, or if you didn't like it, here are some recommendations that we'd like to give you. Bruno, would you like to go first with it? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the first recommendation, I'm going to push it out for, because we've been doing Marvel for a bit. So some uh, DC, and this is a rather uh, recently one. I think it came out earlier this year it was called uh mysteries of love in space and it was dc's like kind of an annual format and it was different stories from different parts of the dc universe revolving around love uh mm -hmm. with a callback to an a reprint of an old adam strange storyline but you have uh love on apocalypse which was really good bizarro finds love which was just aww. <laughs> me am love you <laughs> actually it's me am hate you yeah <laughs> me am hate you you're, you're bizarro yeah you? that's right i'm sorry i got the <laughs> me am right i was i was wearing the bizarro number one <laughs> in metal <laughs> i don't know where i went wrong with it you mean where you went right with it where i went <laughs> right with it <laughs> Quit being a cheeky bitch and just finish this up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, because I love uh, Terry Dodson, and honestly, I, I I have no problem with how he draws superheroes. Although, yes, his, his glamour shots are far better in artwork. But um, I have to go with Marvel Knights uh, Spider-Man, where you can actually go ahead and see how he draws a variety of different... Uh, the Dodsons draw a variety of different characters. Now... Uh, I went with from the whole arc, so from Marvel Knights one through twelve. Um, but there are some Frank Cho does some. It's actually work. Frank Cho does the middle arc with the yeah. Venom. Yeah. There's a middle Venom arc where Venom and leaves also, Eddie Brock and fuses with uh, Matt Gargan. No, the first it's Fortnite. He goes. Eddie Brock has cancer and audition auctions off his um, symbiote, um, which is weird because. Ideally, up until now, you really couldn't. Was he the one that auctioned it off? Yeah, he was at an auction because he had cancer and he wanted to take the money and make things right. <clears throat> um, and that was all he could give was the symbiote, which is weird because he was just like able to like, and here it is. Like, whereas yeah. before, it was like, it's bonded for life. So who did it go to first? Uh, Angel uh, Angelo Fortunato. And then it like killed him or something? It was it was the greatest thing. So Then went on to Matt Gargan all next. Right, uh, quick little aside. So... It bonds with Fortunato, who, uh, Angelo Fortunato is the son, or one of the sons of Fortunato, and he's essentially, like, the runt of the litter, and so he's like, here, I'm gonna buy you this, I'm gonna make something out of you, so you can be a real man. I'm gonna give you some space slime, I'm gonna give you teeth. It's gonna give you some teeth, and some strength, and some muscles, so you stop looking like a little wimp, and so he goes and tries to take down Spider-Man, you know, and prove his muscle to his father, and the symbiote is just like... Dude, he's a bitch. Like, the entire time, he's just like, the symbiote is talking in his head. And he's like, can't you keep up? He's a bitch. And while he's mid-swing, he's like, forget this. I'm going to find someone who can do the job the right way. And just bounces on him mid-flight, letting him fall to his doom. Spider-Man tries to save him, can't make it, and he lands splat. And the crappy part is like, Fortunato looks up, he's like, well, I finally made him into something. Uh, I should have ended with street pizza, but it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and through its process, it finds Matt Gargan, who at this time... At this time was bench-pressing yeah. uh, in anticipation of Spider-Man Sweet Charity. Yeah. And he's just like, that looks like Eddie Brock. I'm going to go for it. Right? So it, it finds Matt Gargan. It's like, hey, how would you like to actually have power and be able to get Spider-Man? And that's how the arc of the new Venom, the actual new Venom, came in. Um... But yeah, and then there's the the main storyline in Marvel Knights Spider-Man, what kicks off the first four issues, is the someone calls Peter and kidnaps Aunt May, and he's trying to figure out who this person is that's behind it, um, and Norman Osborn is of course involved, so there is uh, a lot of the Green Goblin, which is a great segue to our, our next uh, podcast, but it was really good because you see a depiction of the Green Goblin, he gets caught in the first issue, and then there's a lot of the Spider-Man's rogues gallery that comes in. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, there's an arc with the Vulture. Um, oh, the, and, um, the Vulture and Electro were the first arc. Yeah. And that was actually really good. Probably has one of my favorite lines, where it's just like, Electro, like, looks straight at Spider-Man, it's just like, you hurt me bad, man. I'm gonna take it out of your friggin' colon. Then he, like, electrocutes everything around it. And I was just like, damn, this is good. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it was, like I said, it was... 
down down really good and then like the whole mystery of who kidnapped that may and where she's at and mm. it's a nice little 12 issue uh story arc that yeah. works out really well and like i said you have um if terry dodson isn't necessarily your thing although his artwork there is great yep. um i remember drawing the green goblin cover because he's just standing there on the freaking um right off the first issue just standing on his goblin guy they're holding the freaking bomb um you have all of his arcs, and it, and like, he teams up, I think there's, like, a Sinister Six revival for No, him. it's a Sinister Twelve, which that, is kind of right. where the storyline lost me, because it became, like, Hydra Man, and all this, like, they just got, like, a bunch of, it. it's, like, classic Mark Miller, it's just, yeah. like, you think Sinister Six is bad? Wait till we get your Sinister Twelve! That's two more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, times two! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it does, but overall it's a great storyline, and then you get mm. the like you're he's racing around the clock. Yeah, like buries Aunt May because like yeah, yeah he kidnaps Aunt May, buries, buries her, her underground. He's actually underground with like a freaking tank this whole time. So there's a timer, and then if the oxygen runs out, then May dies. Yeah. So Spider Man's got to fight his way through it just to get back. And meanwhile, like, she's in the coffin having sex dreams. Yeah. <laughs> about she's, her conquest. She's seen her life flash before her eyes, which, uh, spoiler alert, lots of dicks. <laughs> lots of dicks, lots of dicks. Winnebago, baby, lots of dicks. <laughs> so I've got a couple uh, recommendations, too. Uh, uh, first see. one. I'm going to go ahead, if you really, really like, uh, or want to try it and get a romance comic going, uh, Matt Fraction did a Spider-Man annual with Salvador La Roca right before um, the brand new day kickoff, and it was still during the black, back in black era, where so Spider-Man's still wearing his black, and this is after Aunt May gets shot. And there he's on the run. Right <clears throat> and he's now. on the run, post-Civil War, like everyone knows his identity. He takes Mary Jane up to the top of the Empire State Building, and they just have a really, really sweet date on that, and they kind of relive their romance and everything. Well, it was also kind of beautifully drawn. The Tarantino by thing, where it, like it, how they got to that, mm-hmm. the, the top of it, because that in itself is like, and it, like it was like earlier that day, and it, like you get to find out where they both were and it was really great yeah so that's like a classic spider-man romance story probably the best spider-man and mary jane romance i will say what's story really, that i've ever read what's really great is because it actually like personified them because for I, when they did the flashback sequence they did the exact same sequence but one done with the voiceover of mary jane mm-hmm. and then done the same voiceover with um Peter Parker and it was really great because it's like essentially they go on a date and it's like I got you a gift what it's like remember that mixtape you told me to make you I did and she's like I listened to it it's nothing but lectures (laughs) (laughs) and he's like well I don't listen to music (laughs) and it's like so I didn't want to give you something impersonal so this these stuff actually means something to me yeah and then there's like a cheesy thing about magnets because they attract Mm -hmm. uh so it was very cheesy but very much in the vein of like Parker romance yeah so great romance and even like Salvador LaRocca's art and the way it's colored and everything not too much of a departure from the way the Dotsons did it in here too especially the scene where Spider-Man comes in to rescue yeah that was great it's got very much like, like a same vibe to it also had a great line have you met my husband Peter Parker you may know him as Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> and then my next one I'm gonna kind of veer it off into something that's not Spider-Man related um, <gasps> I know right it's not even something that's been published by DC or Marvel or even Image this is actually he's something gone mad with power people published it's a manga by Viz Media. It's not even a comic book. And I, I remember reading this one first, but like I went through a really bad breakup in college, and that's like, of course, like you go through a breakup, and you're like, what am I going to read now? Manga. <laughs> so I I went to the I think the you store. might be the only person on the planet that's ever said that. And I was kind of like, but I, I didn't like look it out. I was just kind of like looking around. I was just feeling bad, and there's this really striking cover of this girl just kind of staring back at you, and it wasn't like typical manga where you have all like the weird costumes and stuff it was just a very much like a slice of life type of thing i picked it up flipped through it took it home read it and it was one of the sweetest most touching like and like beautiful artwork all the way through it made me cry like this story had so much emotion packed in it and it was something that kind of transcends the medium like it's one of those things where it's like i can't believe that something this emotional was published in a comic and the way they did it i kind of like started seeking out Aneo Sano's other stuff and none of it was really as good as Solonin. But if you go ahead and check out Solonin, it's a really, really good story about a girl's relationship with her uh, boyfriend who's kind of a doofus. He's trying to start up a band, but then like 
midway through the comic he dies and she has to deal with that tragedy going through it so it's very much a relationship comic and how she kind of bounces back from that and becomes her own person from it he's getting teary eyed just thinking I am about it. I am <laughs> he reached out and touched you do not take heart. this away from me <laughs> me am happy <laughs> talking about Solonin <laughs> no me am happy not talking about fuck <laughs> I'm not getting it. <laughs> you am passing Bizarro class. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, <laughs> we're gonna go off and uh, tell you about our next one. Like, so we we did this. We got to thinking. Like, what are some other really really big controversial retcons that have happened to Spider-Man's history? Comes. And you know what? There's been a lot of them. Yes. So we're <laughs> actually going to be picking up with another one that had to do with an infamous set of twins that kind of kicked off. Like one of the like biggest fan outcries will be the last one. Jay Michael Straczynski's run <laughs> until <laughs> one more day. <laughs> then it was like one of the other biggest controversies. <laughs> Jay Michael Straczynski's run. We're gonna be going back to Sin's past, where none other than Green Goblin impregnates Gwen Stacy, and we're gonna be kicking off a series where we focus specifically on the Stacy twins. Yo. So get ready, guys. We're going back, remembering our sins in sins past. And then we're going to be remembering our sins again for sins remembered. Then we're going to be forgetting everything in one more day. And then we're going to be remembering it again. Like, what the fuck? How did this guy even make it over here? An American Son, where we kind of close out the Stacy Twins legacy. Yeah. Or at least the published up until now Stacy's Twins legacy. We'll see what Nick Spencer does. So until next time, guys, my name is Nick. My name is Bruno. And uh, keep reading trashy, guys. Uh, <laughs> Good night, and Feliz Navidad. Oh, God, it burns.